Welcome back and thanks for listening to the NES Experience. Please make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast if you enjoy this episode. Ned has been training athletes for the last 20 years, and here at NES Sports Performance, we use sound training techniques and the NES system to help you get a competitive edge, improve your measurables, and prevent injuries. If you're an athlete, a strength and conditioning intern, a coach, maybe even a parent, and you're looking for some more knowledge and information on sports performance, you've come to the right place. This episode, we're going to be focusing on uh, just making gains, getting big, building lean mass, stuff like that. Uh, before we get there, though, Ned is going to do a little warm-up here and just uh, take a minute to answer a couple of question and answers that we have. We got our duck timer back to uh, kind of cut Ned off at a minute, so that way he's not going on tangents. Uh, Ned, are you ready? I am ready, Tay. So, first question, I'm going to hit the duck timer. Why do they test the broad jump at combines? Um, they test the broad jump at combines as a measurable for horizontal power. So when you look at, um, fast athletes and explosive athletes, typically their broad jump, um, reaches, you know, a level depending on where you're at at the NFL level, you know, it's generally 10 feet, 11 feet world record Byron Jones, 12, four. So, um, they've learned that there's a correlation between great NFL football players and broad jumps. So it is used for a measure of power. Terrific. Uh, you got 15 seconds left on the duck timer. We're not going to hear it go off. Uh, there you go. That was pretty short, concise. Like it. Next question. Why are you against athletes playing more than one sport in high school? And what about college? Because of the nature of sports in general now, most sports are, you know, year-round type. They make them year-round basically sports. So um, if you're training 12 months out of the year or nine months out of the year for your sport, there's very little time to improve your speed, power, agility, change of direction, make morphological changes, gain lean mass like we're going to talk about today. So, I mean, if you play multiple sports, it eats up your off-season time, so you're not getting better at any sports. With that being said, I go into this a lot in the podcast about specialization in sports, so you should check that out. Do you know what uh, episode it is, Day? It's the fourth episode, Ned. Check out the fourth episode. That's where we talk a lot about specialization in sports. Fantastic. Uh, moving on to the next question. It is uh, front squat or back squat. Which one is better? Uh, 100% uh, uh, the back squat is going to be a better option than the front squat. This is where I shit on the front squat. So, look, if you don't have a lot of imbalances, have a strong core, mobile hips, uh, flexible wrists and forearms, and feel comfortable front squatting then go ahead and front squat so part of the reason why i'm anti-front squat is if there's just that's too hard to you know when athletes come in they have all these imbalances and issues because they play sports for a living and it puts a lot of stress on the wrists the forearms lower back 
Um, it makes you more knee dominant typically, which can cause knee issues. So for us, we just found that the back squat is an easier way. It loads on the back better. Um, we box squat a lot of people also because that helps, you know, minimize the amount of load on the lower back and helps, uh, teaches depth. So hundred percent, uh, back squat. No, no front squat especially with baseball players and people that throw a ball. Great stuff. Uh, So that does it for the question and answer part of this podcast. And moving on to the the main uh, event, I guess you could call it, is how to get bigger and how to gain lean mass, uh, which is probably the the most important of the two. But definitely sometimes you just got to get bigger in weight. So... Can you tell us kind of why or just break down a few of the reasons why it's going to be so important for some athletes to get bigger and and to put on some lean mass? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the first thing is understanding why it's important. You know, this podcast is more designed for the athlete, so not necessarily somebody who's trying to be a professional bodybuilder. Um, It does transfer over to adults, but... I mean, we're not trying to, when we're talking about increasing lean mass and, and it's, it's to reach measurables. So, and it, and it helps, it's the base to build strength. So there's a reason why, you know, a guy that's 270 pounds like myself is usually going to be stronger than, you know, a guy that's 150 pounds. So I have more lean mass. I do have more fat mass, but I have more lean mass. Um, building this mass is is what a, the, the foundational base that allows us to take, you know, the new mass and current mass and improve its strength. And then that strength is transferred over, hopefully, you know, into the ground, you know, generating a lot of force, which helps people get faster or, you know, more stronger, you know, for their sport. So from a performance aspect, it is the foundation that kind of sets everything else up with speed, power, you know, running faster, throwing a ball harder, hitting a ball harder, um, being able to, you know, be in the post and and have the strength to go against, you know, your fours and your fives. So performance aspect is obviously for us, you know, the most important thing. Um, psychologically, it's important there's a big time confidence boost that happens when you, you know, have an athlete in their off season, they gain 20, 25, 30 pounds, and then they come back and then you can just take that, you know, from sport to sport. So in baseball, if I'm a pitcher and I'm 25 pounds heavier, yes, I'm going to throw a ball harder, but I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to have more confidence with my pitches. If I'm a running back and I'm 20, 25 pounds heavier, I'm going to, you know, Sure, from a performance standpoint, shed tackles better. Um, but, you know, you're going to have, you know, more confidence. You're going to be more likely to, you know, hit stick somebody. Um, you know, from – so psychologically being – I mean, confidence transfers over to to sport, you know, a lot. And it's important and it's an, an aspect that what I found is people don't really measure or look at it as much as they need to. Yeah, uh, that can definitely be an issue. Like you said, you know, you can't really get uh, a power on the ball if you're hitting it or just speed on your pitches. Uh, and then is injury prevention, is there any kind of benefit there as well? 
you know, structurally, you know, the bigger you are, the more durable you are, uh, to an extent, if you're just a complete fat sack of shit, I mean, you're going to create more injuries, but for assuming we're putting on, you know, the right type of mass. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, most sports are, are pretty physical. So there's a lot of contact situations and, you know, being the bigger guy or having that extra protection and that extra padding, uh, is going to decrease, you know, the risk of injury. So if you look at, you know, we'll look at it from a women's perspective, we have Jada who just committed to Boston college. Um, she's been on the four yard, the four year journey of, of weight gain. And part of the thing is when she goes to college, um, she's going to be going against the big booty girls. And I know I brought that up and you're like, what are the big booty, the big booty girls. So if you, you know, when you look at high school basketball versus college basketball, one of the biggest things is it's, it's girls versus women. And you got the, the big booty girls. These are, you know, literally full grown women look at UConn and you have to be able to bang with them at any position or just stay physical. And for somebody like Jada, who's on the leaner side, you know, one of the ways that they're going to try and attack her is to body up on her. So, you know, that's an example in women's basketball where, you know, it's, it's an important thing. And also for her, it's just, you know, having bigger shoulders and it's just, it's a layer of protection because all that contact wears on you and you played college football. So you probably understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of our strength and conditioning program was geared towards us getting bigger just because we wanted to be out on the field more and be a little bit more durable. Uh, so that's kind of where we put our focus into when you're trying to get to the next level as well. Uh, I mean, obviously when you're getting recruited, they're looking at measurables, they're looking at height, weight, stuff like that. What are the benefits of just kind of being the, the bigger man? And I mean, when we talk bigger, we're not just talking, you know, like kind of, like you said, you know, not just like a fact sack of shit, I guess is a, a, a way of describing it. And we're talking about people who are just more built. So are there any benefits of just being like a, a, a bigger athlete? So I know you said recruiting and scholarships, but before we even get recruited and get scholarships, the first thing we need to do is create a portfolio or resume in athletics. And that's done by, you know, building film and, you have to be able to be big enough even at the that first level to get an opportunity. To give you an example, um, I have I know two stories, two individual football players. Uh, one trained with me, one didn't, and they were both basically the ideal weight or the the same weight. And so one was 140 pounds, and the other one was like 136. And my guy got up to you know, 170 and the other one stayed at 136. And the end result is they both sat the bench um, the year before when they were that size. And then because they had, they passed the eye test, uh, the one mine got on the field and he ended up, you know, becoming all state and he played, you know, offense, defense, kick return. And, the other one didn't even get an opportunity, and that was purely based off of physical stature. So, and this obviously isn't for all sports, but 
you know, I, I get a lot of football players. So, you know, part of what we're trying to do is get them on the field and keep them healthy and build the portfolio first. After that happens, yes, now we're looking at recruiting. So, you know, basically rolling with football, you know, every position has, depending on what level you're trying to play at, D1, D2, D3, every level has basically, you know, weight requirements. So if you want to be a D1 running back, you got to be 185 pounds, and that's assuming you're running, I don't know, a four or five. But, you know, can you be 160? Sure, but you better be running a four three. So, you know, they're looking at physical numbers, a linebacker. You can't be a 190-pound D1 linebacker. There is no 190-pound D1 linebackers. So you have to physically be bigger and reach these numbers to help check boxes to get to the point where you can actually get a scholarship. But, you know, we can't control height, but we damn, uh, we damn can help with the, the weight aspect and all the other measurables. So, yeah, absolutely. I know, uh, back in the olden days, people used to stand in, uh, cow manure, I think it was to try and get themselves taller. I think my grandfather actually, did that for a period of time so uh anyways how uh if you can't control height you know you can control weight and and getting uh bigger and putting on lean mass so how is it kind of done well there's a lot of people try a lot of different things to figure out how to get it done this is you know the this is what we do we've been doing it for a long time and we've had a lot of success with it so typically in our program guys increase a pound a week so if you're with me for five months that's 20 weeks here we go with math 20 pounds if you're with me for eight months you do the math um and the way that we do that is first when somebody comes in we do a body fat percentage test tells us their lean mass and their fat mass generally what their makeup is um and that's our baseline test and then most of the people that come in it's i need to gain weight we then go through and they send me pictures of everything that they eat for three days. And then we count up the calories, look at, you know, gaps in meals. Are they eating breakfast? And then, you know, do an analysis as far as, you know, what types of foods are they eating? What what I see, because this is all I've been doing my whole life, is that, you know, your skinny weight gain guys, um, they're like, oh, I eat so much. I, you wouldn't believe how much I eat. Yeah, bro, you eat 1,700 calories. That's that's what, like, my wife should take in on a daily basis. So um, they, you know, you ha- understand your somatotype or your general framework and your makeup, which means if you are a endomorph, that would be me and you, thick, uh, thick shoulders, big bodies, can put on lean mass quick. I can put on lean mass real quick. Um, I can get strong really quick. What I can't do is metabolize fat. So, and that's you also. The The process for that type of person is going to eat differently and not have to do what most of the smaller guys are. You know, the thick guy, you're going to, you don't, you're not listening to me right now because you don't, you don't need to gain weight, but really you need to listen to me because part of this hypertrophy, which I'm going to get into on the, how it's done, this type of lifting, what it does is, you know, whether you want to stay where you're at or gain weight or lose fat, you still want to do, you know, hypertrophy, high volume type training because metabolically it burns fat and the more lean mass you have on you, the more calories you burn and 
um, it's going to help you get leaner also. So the mesomorph, so our classic mesomorph would be um, Sharif Grice of Boston College. You know, that's the guy who can put on lean mass easy and metabolize fat. It's the perfect body type. Most of your professional athletes are mesomorphs. Um, not the ones that I get because I basically make the ectomorph, which is the third category guy who is the long, scrawny, low body fat percentage, under 5%, can't gain weight, says they eat the house, um, tall, wiry, you know, springy type kid. They are the ones that have to eat the house. So they can metabolize fat like no other, but their body's ability to gain lean mass and get stronger, that's what's restricted. So with this type of person, um, you basically have to eat way more than you're eating. So these guys that are sending me 1,700, 2,000 calorie diets, they have to eat 4,000. And and it's really hard. It's a difficult process. But once you train the body to eat more food, you start to gain weight. And then your body builds lean mass. And then it becomes more natural because the, the more lean mass you have, the hungrier you're going to be. So appetite increases, which allows the load of calories to you know increase. So Number one, nutritionally, it's super important. Now, what's not important, in my opinion, is counting macros. Like, how many pump, how many grams of protein should I have per pound of body weight? I don't look into all that because, um, you know, if you're trying to be a bodybuilder and be 1.5% body fat, sure, that's great. But for our, you know, for this, it's not practical. You're not going to count your macros for the next nine years. Um, you don't need to, what you need to do is you need to eat. What do you need to eat? Higher fat stuff. You can go the, the, the healthy way and go with avocado and raw nuts and olive oil and, you know, those types of things. Or if you're the super skinny guy, you can eat whatever you want. You need to eat calories. You need to eat fat. You can have fast food. Uh, NES is super controversial about my nutritional advice because, I work in the practical aspect, I work in the financial aspect, and I look at the end result. So if I'm body comping you, and what we get is these super skinny guys, they can eat garbage, steak and cheese, burgers, um, eat complete shit. I re-body comp them, they, they gain like a half a percent, but they gain 20 pounds. I don't care. I'm, if I, I don't care if my 5% body fat kid is six and a half percent or seven percent if he gains 30 pounds he's going to throw the ball four miles an hour harder and and that's what we're worried about or if he gains 20 pounds he's gonna you know check the box as far as what level you know sport requirement test weight that they need to be and they're still going to be faster because you know the super skinny guys they put on weight and they're even faster because they have more mass therefore more strength therefore more force into the ground and then they come out of it quicker. So, um, the nutrition component, you know, that's number one. Uh, do you have any questions or comments on what I just said, Tay? Uh, not really. Uh, like you said, I am a endomorph, so I don't have a lot of experience in the, well, I do have a lot of experience in how to get bigger, but it just came naturally to me. So, uh, also I was, uh, telling my parents this over Easter and just a little side thing. When I was in fifth grade, 
well, we were given a project of you had to build a, a cell, like an animal cell or a plant cell, like a little diorama. And I did a little, you know, styrofoam diorama thing, brought it into class in a little shoebox. It was, you know, got, got a little B minus on it. Every other student, class of 30, their parents baked a cake uh, of the animal cell with like frosting and stuff. So for three weeks, I just ate four or five slices of cake a day. I gained 30 pounds and I just never stopped gaining weight after that. It was always a struggle. Uh, that's where I got my sweet tooth. So, uh, side tangent over. Um, so that's nutrition. Once you're actually, you know, eating the food that you're supposed to be and you're getting all the calories, what are the things you're supposed to be doing in the weight room to get that lean mass built up and to kind of keep the weight you know, the pounds packing on. So, I mean, the first thing is you have to have a plan and hopefully if you are going to somebody that actually use periodization plan program design, we talked about that in the strength podcast. Um, but part of their periodized program should be a block of training that's dedicated towards what I call hypertrophy training, which is increasing the cross sectional area of a muscle. Um, when, you know, first off is when should that block come? And typically it comes, it has to be in your off season. You can't, because part of moving or performing a hypertrophy um, cycle is slow movements with a lot of time under tension. I'm going to go into all this in short rest periods. If you are, if you spend too long on that block of time or doing it before a preseason, you're actually, I mean, you might, you will increase mass, but you'll decrease your performance. So this goes back to if you don't have an off season and you're a skinny guy, there is basically zero opportunity for you to gain any weight. So our athletes will come in, we'll go through an acclimation phase, which typically lasts one to four weeks. And that's where we um, identify imbalances and start to strengthen the posterior chain and acclimate them you know, to the movements and the volume. And then after that, that's when we start our hypertrophy phase. So what is that? When you're looking at increasing size what we're looking at is volume and intensity volume is how many exercises are you doing how many sets and how many reps and intensity is kind of how hard you're going the percentage rep max well that would actually be repetitions so you know in order to increase size you have to do a high volume now high volume is relative to training experience so if you've never picked up a weight you could actually do relatively low volume and still get a response but the more trained you are and the amount of size that you need to get volume should be high now what this doesn't mean is i want to get my chest bigger so i should do chest three days a week and you should never do any body part outside of core three days a week um it's unnecessary so for us we'll do we do a pull like we'll call it back and buys and posterior chain we do that one day and then we'll do chest tries and quads the other day and we flip-flop days so one one week we only address the muscle group one time in a week and then the next the next week we address it too so it's on a rotation of every five days um now when you're doing the weight we're going to use back squat um, we want to make sure that in this phase that we're using a lot of time under tension so that's how long it takes you to lower the bar from your start position to parallel. And typically those 
that amount of time that the bar should go down is three seconds. So we call that a 301 tempo, three seconds on the down, one second on the up, um, three, four or five seconds on the load. So that eccentric, slow eccentric movement is going to release growth hormone um, and growth hormone is what uh, makes muscles bigger. So that's part of the reason why we do that. We also look at rest periods. So if you're trying to increase size, you don't want your rest periods for more than two minutes, usually 90 seconds, um, because once you go past that threshold of 90 seconds or two minutes, you don't get the release of growth hormone anymore. So you want it to be short. Um, you know, if you're trying to get huge, you can't have five minute rest periods where you hit a set of bench and then talk on your phone and then do whatever it's strict. Um, and the amount of time that the bar moves slowly, that is going to give you a response. So we want short rest periods. We want, um, a lot of time under tension and a generally high volume. And then when you look at intensity, if you can't have high intensity and high volume, so that means, you know, rep schemes are eight to 12 reps. So it's not one rep maxing. Now, if you've never picked up a weight before, if you've never lift heavy before, you actually get a sized response from lifting heavy. But you'll still go through that fundamate that fundamental, you know, hypertrophy block typically, you know, if you have the time for it. So weight room wise, another thing is change it up. So you don't you can't do four sets of ten your whole life. Chat bench dumbbell bench press, four sets of ten, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Your body adapts to that. So we use something called nonlinear periodization, where basically the the stimulus is changing and they're going through a different focus every time that they come in. So we'll go through muscular endurance, that's super high volume with shorter rest periods. Well, then we'll have a day where it's hypertrophy, we'll, we'll tempo it up. Uh, we might do German volume training, which is a block style high volume training um, that works really well. We do that a lot with back. Um, you know, those are some of the, you know, things that you would do for that. So changing stimulus, then do a strength day, um, then go back to muscular endurance. So shocking the muscles. What was that? P90X muscle confusion. I don't remember what they said there. There actually was some truth to that. But the, if you do the same thing over and over again, your body becomes super efficient. It doesn't elicit a response. And if you don't get a response, you're not going to get any growth. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I do think it was P90X or something like that. Uh, that was like, you know, confuse your muscles. Don't let them know that. Don't let them get used to what they're doing and then they'll grow more. Um, so that's the weight room. Uh, are there any kind of other things that you should be taking care of, I guess, in your life, just in general, if you want to be getting bigger and you want to be putting that lean mass on? So sleep is hugely important. Um, I believe there's a podcast where we talked about sleep and recovery. What growth hormone is released, um, at night when you get a certain amount of sleep and growth hormone is very important for recovery and recovering is very important to a minimize overtraining B basically giving you the energy, you know, to get good workouts. So the tough thing is we know that high school athletes, college athletes aren't probably going to get their 10 hours that they need. But um, if you can just increase it, whatever you can, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, that's going to help you, you know, be more anabolic. And then supplementation, 
there is the podcast on supplementation. Creatine amino acids, you know, creatine is the cheat code for increasing total pounds and size and lean mass. Take that every day, five grams. Should have made you listen to the podcast to get that information. And amino acids, especially if you're a vegetarian who I don't deal with, but they it's they don't typically get enough protein in. And so it's really hard for them because there is a base protein, you know, that you need as far as that. And if you're not taking in any animal proteins, you need to get supplementation from that aspect. And then, you know, just don't get overtrained. So doing too much, doing not enough to get a response doesn't work, but doing super high volumes, which is what I, I did 24 sets of chest today, man, we don't need to do 24 sets of chest. You, if you can't make your chest sore by doing 10 sets of something, you are doing something wrong. You're taking, you're moving the bar too quick. You're taking too long of rests or you're not using a heavy enough weight. Um, or you're like some roided up bodybuilder, but you know, we literally do, we do four sets of legs, even in a hypertrophy workout. And the dudes can't walk for like three days, four sets of Bulgarians with a little bit of a tempo. I mean, you don't need to do what these guys are doing. And you, you see the before and afters on our Instagram. I mean, these guys aren't even, these guys aren't lifting to get huge. They're lifting to just increase the total number and be at, and be athletes. But you know, if you look at their butts and their hamstrings, like there's a noticeable difference. And all we're doing is four sets of legs three days a week. We do address legs every time we come in, but, um, but you know, have a plan, be organized and use all these different bullet points. Obviously we focus today more on the the training component and the nutrition. And honestly, that's, it's the most important because I have a whole bunch of kids that don't get enough sleep to get results. So, and I have athletes that don't really take, you know, my athletes don't take a lot of supplements and just a few good ones and they get results. So, but the nutrition is something that we hammer home and, you know, it's, it's using both. You can't just eat a whole bunch and not lift you're, you're to get optimal results. You need that well-designed program with the nutrition you know, and the supplementation and getting some sort of goddamn sleep. Cool. Sleep is definitely important. So that'll probably do it for this week of the NES experience. Thanks for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Make sure to like, and subscribe if you enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, now go catch up on some sleep. <laughs>